Hey, hey, this is the Fight Size MMA podcast. I'm Ed Gallo, uh, your co-host, and my other co-host is Sharam Raleigh-Darn, whose name I've only messed up once, and uh, <laughs> Tuman, whose name I won't reveal fully because I'm still confused about whether we call him Iggy or not. How are you two doing? <laughs> I'm good. I mean, uh, fairly sleep-deprived, but overall fine because I've just finished uh, doing my First, and I guess only, have a hands appearance. The first and only because uh, I kept uh, making fun of Connor the whole way through and uh, shooting down any attempts at uh, Cyril Gunn apologism. Just, you know, doing the Lord's work. That kind of stuff. <laughs> That's right. Connor deserves it and Cyril Gunn deserves it and you did nothing wrong. And I applaud you. I can't wait to listen to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, today on the podcast, we're going to do not too many things, but we're going to do the things that we do a lot. That made <laughs> sense, right? Uh, so we're going to talk does. about UFC yeah. 265. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of time on that, I think, almost the entire podcast. And then we're going to briefly cover the two uh, outside the UFC events that are coming up, uh, PFL and Bellator. I know we try to cover PFL as much as possible which is nice because they really, they just like, they have two events a month that are worth caring about because they do the, they're like lightweight or featherweights and sometimes their welterweights matter. And then it's just like everybody else can, <laughs> yeah, they can go do it. Honestly, we are um, doing them a yeah, favor UFC. at this rate. Yeah. yeah. They should be grateful. Yeah. Also the weight class situation. Yeah. The weight class situation is like identical to every other like promotion basically. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's tough to be too hard on them for that one. Yeah, very different than what I do for the UFC, just focusing on the, the lighter weights. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and speaking of focusing on the lighter weights for our UFC 265 discussion, let's let's start with the best thing. Let's let's get right into the best oh. thing that happened is freaking <sighs> Jose Aldo, man, is just, well, what, what uh, else can we say? This is what is refreshing about the our MMA podcast as opposed to other stuff like Heavy Hands because they 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 started with Cyril Gunn and fucking heavyweight, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm I'm guessing Slack also did. Who knows so, what Slack does? I mean, yeah, Slack <laughs> does whatever the fuck he wants, and usually not putting putting you know too much effort into it. I guess he does what he does. <laughs> Unlike me, who puts a ton of effort in, I'm very prepared for this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I watched the fights. That's, yeah, uh, that's, that's my preparation. Yeah. Unlike, uh, unlike me, I never watch fights. <laughs> the only like everything that I've learned about the fights is uh, it's basically there's just some vague idea, vague idea that I've assembled through sheer osmosis. And uh, <laughs> normally that, that is genuinely cool. true, mm-hmm. but this time, uh, Tuman, Shiram, and Julian. Uh, did uh, the alternate commentaries for for this event? And they did five of them, which is nuts. There's documented Crazy evidence people. that I That's actually absurd. watched the fights. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, during the fight, pretty much all we had to say was "Wow, although like on loop mm-hmm. over and over," um, which was a really striking contrast to what the heavyweight main event was like, which is the opposite over and over. Ooh. Uh, but <laughs> why over and over uh, but, i went yeah. on a piss break Although, during this, uh, the main events because i just got so <laughs> first of all i got bored and then i just thought like i mean it's not going to be much of a loss if i wouldn't like comment on every pot shot and uh throw away jab that zero gone through that connected just barely yeah we, we've officially said more things about zero gone at the early stage of this podcast than nah. i think we've promised nah. uh but we were yeah, supposed to uh, avoid it. We we're supposed to go right to Aldo. 
Exactly. We've, this isn't the just, plan. We've poisoned the well. Um, yeah, uh, Aldo Munoz, just a tremendous fight. I mean, even just as a fight, I think it was pretty interesting. As an older performance, it was just sublime. Uh, if you um, if you go to the Twitter account, or you go to the site, I wrote a thing on it. Like, I think it came out earlier today. So read that, and it's probably going to like rehash all the stuff that I have to say here in much more eloquent form. Uh, but yeah, it was tremendous. Uh, Jose Aldo looking a, a bit more comfortable on the back foot than I think he's looked at any point in his Bantamweight tenure so far. Um, really strong counter jabbing, which is something that we I don't think we've seen from him since like I mean, Edgar Ron. Throw volume. Uh, I mean, like, he's, when did you see Aldo do that? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like that's that's the big point that I think people should take away from this fight. Is yeah, he's had a lot of these same tools before. Like we've seen the Dutchie before, for instance. We've seen a lot of sharp counter combinations. We've seen the jab, but. The way that Aldo was able to modulate the power and the commitment of his output this time is something that I don't think we've ever seen before. And that's something, it's insanely rare. I don't think you're going to end up giving any old fighter, uh, not even an old fighter, but any fighter who's fought more than like 10, 11, 12 years, uh, a new philosophical approach to build their tools on. It's just not something that you do. And the fact that Jose Aldo went over to the Brazilian Navy and was like, hey, I need to learn how to do this, and they taught him how to do it, it doesn't make any sense. It's absurd. So is that why he had the crazy chest patch? Yeah, in yeah. The Chito I think fight? it was. <laughs> I thought. I think we assumed it would be a little bit more problematic because we it's thought like it military. was fascism related, but it was actually <laughs> boxing related, which is almost. Worse. I mean, Jose Aldo just <laughs> uh, <laughs> good like uh, putting all the stops on, on all fronts uh, from his performance against uh, Pedro Munoz and uh, the like. Uh, the Navy thing turning out to be not something crazy. Uh, Something to do with conspiracy <laughs> theories and uh, like fascism, and also uh, speaking out in support of uh, fight uh, of a fighters union to boot. So, yeah, like, just uh, basically yeah. covering all his bases. To <laughs> some guys can do it all. Uh-huh. <laughs> Get yourself a man who can do both. I know. So uh, yeah, my my just quick thoughts on on the fight, and just to recap what we thought before the fight was that he was going to kick his ass. And then he's going to get tired and then he's going to get his ass kicked. And it was just us deciding whether or not when that would happen and what the scoring would end up being based on that. That is not what happened. And as, as both these guys said, I mean, more comfortable on the back foot, throwaway volume. Um, really, he found a way to deal with a problem. He's had his entire career. It's not just like, oh, I'm old now and this is more of an issue. He's been like mismanaging his pace and and hasn't been able to figure out exactly how to be efficient for the full duration of a fight his entire career. He gassed in the fifth round in his UFC debut against Mark Hominick. He, he gassed at the end of the Lamas fight. Uh, he's had tons of fights where he couldn't really manage his energy because, like we said, he's been a pro for 17 years, and that entire time he's been fighting and training like a maniac because he was the most athletic fighter in the history of MMA, probably, uh, the most physical for sure, and if he called, you know, round up all the attributes and put them together. Um, he could, he's, he's got it all. And oh my God, he, he, he fights in a way that nobody else does. Um, and now that he's, you know, severely diminished, I would say in that respect, he's still one of the most athletic guys in the division, but you know, it, it, it doesn't allow him to scare people off the way it used to. Uh, he isn't able to limit exchanges the way he used to uh, with lower volume. So he had to find out a way to have a higher volume approach. And you saw him trying, uh, by taking the front foot and, and trying to dictate the pace and trying to back people off uh, in, in the uh, Marais fight. He was not comfortable with that. Uh, first of all, he couldn't sustain the pace. I uh, had to take the first round off, basically do all his work in the second round, then kind of 
just faded away in the third round and couldn't really <laughs> put things together. And Marias actually did a decent job, like counter jabbing him. So I think he learned a lesson there. And, you know, just at, over time, you saw him making more and more adjustments, figuring out his pace, figuring out what he wants to do. I mean, the Peter Yan fight, um, who would have thought the third round would be his best round in that fight? I mean, he, he, he made a lot of adjustments, but obviously Yan is not a good person to judge someone's cardio against because uh, he has a funny way of <laughs> taking people, breaking them down and, and putting them away. But um, this is easily the smartest fight of his career, I would say, considering his limitations. Um, and after the first round, Munoz kind of gave up. Because he's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, nothing, nothing he tried was working. You know, every every kick was blocked or checked um, or countered. Um, every advance was like counter jabbed or pivoted off, like with touching pivot or uh, some sort of counter combination. And then when he sat back and and he, Aldo actually got to get off on him, it was like turning over his jab into hooks and firing around the guard and hitting the body, like kicking him, and just there was nothing he could do. I mean. Essentially, yeah. I mean, I th- yeah. Essentially, okay. Alder basically did all the things that uh, we wanted him to do for every uh, outing of his. That is like past uh, ever since he dropped a bantamweight. This is essentially what we we've been asking of him to do. Aside from you know, not cutting to bantamweight, <laughs> not being a bantamweight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean. To just sort of brag a little bit, uh, I've essentially outlined like the path to victory for Aldo uh, in the staff picks, which is to use more throwaway volume, more efficiency, uh, scare Pedro Munoz off trying to enter uh, into range and uh, prolong the exchanges in, in the pocket, like trying to muscle him around, shoving him around, but use utilize his size advantage, range advantage, and uh, like physicality to shove the smaller man around and kind of. Uh, uh, like put a cap on the pace and control the pace by uh, basically scaring him away with uh, mixing by mixing in hard shots to the body and like just hard shots in general, but not y- utilizing just hard shots all the time and uh, using more jabs and safety leads. And he did, he's done all that like perfectly. Like, mm-hmm. It was funny. I, I watched the fight after the fact, and you know, I was I was giving my reactions to everybody in the chat after I was watching it while I was watching it, talking about the pivoting. And Doom was like, "Yeah, I really wish he did more." Like every time he hit like an off angle right hand after he pivoted out, and exactly after he said that, he did it. I'm like, he did everything you wanted. <laughs> I forgot that he did that. He he's done so many things that I've asked him to do, and like. I genuinely forgot some you. of them. <laughs> like he walked Pedro Munoz onto knees, he hit the body. He oh, the first one was crazy. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, it should have like any other guy would have like bent in half and just quit then and there. It's like uh, one of the worst knees I've ever seen in terms of like damage. You mm-hmm. know? And uh, what else did he do? He, he he's done many things. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them All of hard it. to carry yeah. Uh, yeah I think the the most impressive thing I found about the fight was uh, how quickly Aldo sort of made the reach that he needed uh, it, I'm, I'm not I don't think we've ever really thought of Aldo as a sort of like super studied fighter if that makes sense like he goes in and he has his process and he's just he's so tight about everything that you're like oh he can just deal with things as they come and it's very possible that that's who he is but against Munoz like he pretty much came in like D 
dealing with the jab. As soon as Munoz showed the jab in the first round, he started dealing with it with the counter jab. And as soon as Munoz started like jabbing and ducking, Aldo dealt with it in like the next exchange. It was absolutely like Munoz did it twice. He drew the counter with the jab and he ducked underneath or he drew the counter with the jab and he lowered his level. And Aldo just started dealing with it instantly. He started either hitting him with that big knee or hitting him with the uppercut or like mo- most commonly, he just like lowers level with Munoz, walk him onto the shoulder yeah, and just shove him away. Crazy. It was like, it was it's, so it's mean. Kind of like- it's it's kind of like remind me of something like savvy boxers usually do in, in like uh, at the highest level. Like someone like Floyd Mayweather would shove his elbow or his forearm or his shoulder into in someone's face when they try to enter range, and then he would pivot off. And Aldo did that. And like yeah. the thing where he, yeah, like the a- thing where he did where he put his uh, hand on Munoz to make him think that to make him think that he's still in front of him and pivot out while doing it. <laughs> Just. <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of boxing style clinching type things, like a lot of Aldo closing distance to pivot um, and a lot of the, you know, just hit him with the shoulder and immediately mm-hmm. frame off. It was really nice. Uh, and yeah, the the thing where he touched him, I, I thought it was super nice for a couple of reasons. One, the way that he like kind of played off the left hook and turned like the motion of the left hook into the frame on his shoulder. It was just like Munoz had no idea that wasn't a hook that he'd have to block until he was already like pivoting off and uh, just turning him around on the cage. And uh, I don't know, it was, just, it was a really well-considered performance from Aldo, one that showed a lot of the things that we'd really want. Like, well, first, it showed a lot of things we'd want Aldo to do. Uh, and secondly, it showed a lot of the things that Aldo has done throughout his career. And both of those are also, big asks. Like 17 years into your career, it's just not also, supposed to be possible. Calf kicks aren't real. They, <laughs> they aren't are, real. They are They're a psyop. They don't work. <laughs> just pick up your leg, it's idiot. <laughs> It's so weird because like Hanada Moicano tried to do the same thing to Aldo several times in the first fight and Aldo just ignored it. And that was two years ago. And we were like, hey, how, how did he beat Hanada Moicano 15 years into his career? And now we're two years later, over two years later, and he's still doing the same thing to really stout top five Brazilian contenders. It doesn't make any sense. It's absurd. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, really just highest of praise. I, I, I mean, like, I, I'm, what do fights yeah. usually do? What do fighters usually do when they reach that? 10-year threshold in their careers. What what happens? Usually is they start going... They start stripping back. Downward slope all the way down. They become fighters. And maybe they're good at it, and maybe they're bad at yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, if they're, if they're smart, they usually become counterfighters. So, and uh, they usually sometimes... And, uh, like, I discussed this uh, on Heavy Hands uh, with uh, Connor and Phil, and they talked about how uh, older fighters usually become gun-shy, and maybe you could see some of that, some some like um, a glimpse of that uh, in Aldo against, uh, say, Volkanovski. The Volkanovski yeah. fight, yeah. And, uh, but but then immediately he like tried to, I, I guess well, <laughs> pardon the pun. He tried to pivot away from it by doubling down and <laughs> becoming like a more of a banger, like a and tried to push the pace more in his uh, other fights, and then he figured out that, oh, this isn't the way to go, I fall off a cliff if I do that. And it's like just, he keeps on learning. 17 years into his career, once again, he keeps on learning, keeps on just trying to take new stuff away from the fights that he's been in. And it's like, uh, young fighters don't learn as as fast and as well as he does. Just... (laughs) The man, it's a thinking fighter. He, there is some stuff going on inside that head of his. There's some gears are turning, you know, and uh, best ever, just greatest ever, all the above. Just best at burgers. this point, I'm not, 
Uh, that's true. Uh, a famous <laughs> burger, R.I.P. Uh, apparently, it was shut down after the uh, pandemic. Not before Daniel uh, Cormier got his hands on one. The, 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 they closed <laughs> down after Daniel uh, Cormier got his hands on the burgers. <laughs> that's the real reason. <laughs> Just they yeah, told the supply. But, yeah, I mean, I think. <laughs> yeah, Aldo's kind of setting kind of a new standard for what a great, good fighter can be. Like, it's kind of absurd. Uh, I'm not sure anyone's really done it the same way as he has. Like, uh, in terms of the weight hopping, I'm not sure many fighters can do it that way. It's just not, like, practical to be a decently big featherweight. And then when everyone gets bigger, it's like, hey, I'm going to cut 10 more pounds while I'm super bad at it. Uh, <laughs> it's... It, like, it's a terrible <laughs> career decision that happened to work. And the, the way that he was, like, you could really see him workshopping his approach to, you know, being a little bit gassier and a little bit worse at managing the pace. Uh -huh. And a lot of this is just a response to his defense kind yeah. of degrading. And if you watch the Munoz fight, I don't think you'd get more than one or two clues that his defense like, was degrading. That's how good his like defense Pedro used Munoz to be. Like Pedro Munoz connected it's, with a couple straight shots, and it's kind of a hint at his yeah. recent problem of not being able to see straight blows coming in. Uh, yeah, it's his reflexes, right? Yeah, yeah. it's just it's just literal age, which it's the rarest thing to see, right? You don't see fighters lasting long enough to just have age show up on them in that way, if it makes sense. Well, mm -hmm. uh, it's just he's slowing down as a physical Partly human being. it's also that the fact that he's cutting 10 more pounds, because whenever you cut weights, uh, your yeah. reflexes kind of become all out of whack and yeah. you have to readjust to it. So... That's true. Marais is the first time we noticed it. Like, Volkanovsky, he was still pretty much there defensively. It's just that he had to really, really harshly ration out his cardio in a way that... I mean, he's still doing it. It's just I think he's figured out how to do it while still winning fights. Yeah. Uh, the uh, end fight was interesting because Jan would do all these interesting setups and all this, like, advanced stuff, <laughs> and Aldo would be keen to all of it. And then Jan would stand in front of him, throw a one-two, and it would just land clean. <laughs> 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 yeah, like, what? Like, I, I, w I was legitimately at the point where I was like, hey, Cody Garbrandt might be stupid enough to win this fight because he'd just try and be fast and be completely stupid and not give Aldo the ways to like... I've always been on the train that Aldo would dismantle Cody like at any, any time I mean, at any point. Never. At would this never point, I'm very confident. <laughs> at this point, I'm very confident in that. But I mean, like you can see the points of concern, right? Like if someone's just fast enough and test him as a physical level, you'd be like, hey, maybe this is kind of concerning. Now, I think he's just... He's at that point, I think. He knows what he's doing at Bantamweight. Uh, I still don't think, obviously, he's not long for the sport because he's been long for the sport for way too long. But it's, like, anything he does at this point, it's been a nothing but pluses for him for, like, five think, years. Like, you know what his next plus is? He's going to knock out TJ Dillashaw. Uh, I... Uh, I hope so. That would be great. I don't love that fight form at this point. That would be great, but I'm hesitant, <laughs> hesitant to get too hyped about it. Because, like, one thing has yeah, to be emphasized. Why this is all... Why we consider this all so crazy. It's... Uh, well, we talked about 17 years, 17 years. and But it's uh, it's an undeniable fact that Jose Aldo has irrevocably and, like, definitively has declined athletically. It's just... It's just, he used to be so yeah. insanely athletic prior to that, that uh, people just, genu it genuinely breaks people's brains to try and wrap their head around this whole fact. Yeah. Like, they always talk about, he's so good that they still talk about Jose Aldo not being washed and not being shot and denying that he's, that he has faced some kind of decline. So just even like a very diplomatically worded statement of, of Jose Aldo has slowed down a bit, he's aging gets a really like aggravated reaction out of some 
some of the more like lo- I guess loyal <laughs> elder fans. <laughs> it's very annoying because like elder is it's insane and annoying that elder is so good that people just are able to do to kind of like deny the reality that he is slowing down. But just go back and watch his older fights. Like look at him at his prime. He's even faster. He was even faster back then. His reflexes were even quicker back then. No one could lay a glove on him. And, uh, like, when at, uh, usually at the highest level of uh, competition, when you fall off and when you rely as much as, uh, on your athleticism as Alder did, and uh, even though he was very fundamentally sound in many ways, uh, much more fundamentally sound than 99% of MMA fighters, just basically either then or now, but he still relied a lot on his reflexes and his, like, uh, these hair-trigger reactions to get, get to find counters. And usually when fighters like this, uh, f- like, decline a little bit, like 2%, 5%, they just fall off a cliff. They, can, they can't hang there with the elites. And But he's so skillful, he's able to still develop just refine and develop his skills to to such an extent that even when facing such a decline, it still becomes even like sort of a moot point, even like whether he has declined or not. It's crazy to watch. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, it's tough to really add a ton just because like this was as close to a prime Aldo performance as we could have hoped. It wasn't even super close. But it was as close as we could have hoped to him doing the things he would have done to Pedro Munoz that yeah, we said like, he should have. Uh, I think we've all talked about it at some at one point point or another, like uh, just discussing this fight uh, elsewhere on on Twitter or in chats. Is that that uh, all the the usual knock on Aldo was always that uh, he's uh, a bit energy inefficient or that he puts too much stink on his shots or that all his uh, punches like have this crazy wind up. None of that mm-hmm. in this fight. Like everything is crisp and clean, and he's content to rely on his power advantage and uh, frame advantage to just generate power and basically drop Munoz. Yeah, in the third round, his head was bouncing around like a speed bag. Essentially, like this is how this is how badly Aldo was like kicking his ass. Yeah, I mean, I think I still think there's reason to be wary about mm-hmm. certain matchups for Aldo. I think Dillashaw is one of them. Uh, Rob Font is actually, I think that's a, a really, really interesting fight at this point. Maybe the most interesting for Aldo. Like, uh, since we've already seen him fight Peter Jan, it, it, I don't really know if there's a ton of intrigue past a certain point, even with these adjustments. I think you'd do better with the way that he's figured it out, but I don't really know if that's particularly winnable. Uh, but hey, I think, Shiram, so, what's have up? you considered that no one ever hits CJ Dillashaw's body? <laughs> that's awesome. Sam Shiram. Hagen was like the first one to ever do it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, I he mean, won't be able to hit him. True. He's like, but what if he hits him in the body, though? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Aldo will be able to hit TJ a good bit. It's just TJ, I don't think he look, came back looking any less durable. And, I don't uh, think Sandhagen's just, the guy to, to totally test his durability, though. And he was kind of knocking him around, and he's not some big hitter. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair. It's just uh, the big concern I always have with Aldo is just always going to be the pace. I think I, I still trust TJ after, like, five really hard rounds with a decent building threat to make that tough than I do Aldo to survive over five. Uh, the adjustments that he's made, I think it'll carry him to like 
five round wins over worse fighters, if that makes sense. But someone who's really, really good at drawing out counters and laying on volume, I think it's going to be tricky. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Font is sort of the fight to make if they don't do Sanhagen versus Font. Um, talk me into. You know, it'll test his reaction. Talk me. It took me what? into TJ like uh, it's TJ losing to Aldo at this point. Ed. <laughs> me? Yeah. He's yeah. going to punch him hard in the face a bunch of times and he's going to fall down. Then Aldo's going to hit him more and then it'll be over. Very compelling. Sell me on that not happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you consider that uh, TJ, uh, most of his ways of entering range are these bursting, shifting combinations. Uh, and Aldo is, you know, very good at countering those. I changed my mind. He's going to knee him. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> And gonna, you, you said that my cowboy did Alexander Hernandez. You said that no one <laughs> punched TJ in the body, not really. And uh, mm-hmm. he looked uh, like he looked visibly worse for wear when San uh, Santagen did that against him. I think, or was it just because from Lineker him too. like pushing an insane pace while uh, standing on one leg and uh, having his face like cut open? Mm, could be lots of could things. Could be lots of things, but <laughs> you know. A couple old and like a couple, a couple knees in the first, some some body punches. Uh, hmm. Hmm. I, It'll happen. I am, uh, Does he wait? I feel <laughs> marginally less bad about that potential matchup. Like my my immediate Aye. reaction after the fight was that, oh, this is the perfect uh, like. Uh, the perfect way to retire for Aldo because I do not want to see him like. But, he yeah. doesn't want to retire at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's not going to retire. And uh, my point no is that no one improves like that to retire. <laughs> my point was that I would want him to just you know have the time to enjoy his leg- legendary status and rest on his laurels a bit and maybe like save up his health. But yeah, at the pace he's going at right this now, this is MMA, man. This is do this that. ain't gonna happen. <laughs> Ain't happening. He's gonna continue fighting, and uh, I guess the only thing I have to to do, the only thing I can do, in, in uh, when faced with such a prospect, is to continue supporting our man, our boy. Uh, not really a boy, you know, but uh, kind of like you know, the honorary uncle, I guess, of the fight side. Just the founder of the Burger Union. Yeah, the, the, it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, big chat name. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in about the same place. I think Aldo probably. I mean, he's definitely past the point of an average fighter retiring, uh, and the fact that he's made it look not easy, but the fact that he's made it look doable to continue past this point isn't really a reason for him not to retire. It's just that a fighter's always going to take any sign as, that he's doing well mm-hmm. as a reason not to retire. Um, with the burger chain closing, I don't really know how his finances are, which is another thing. There's really no way to know I where mean, he is. Uh, ideally, he'd have a good nest egg saved up from being the greatest fighter of all time, but we all know it doesn't I mean, work like that. Uh, so, yes, all that fighting knowledge has to take up a lot of space. So, financial decisions <laughs> aren't going to be his forte. Because, uh, sorry, there's some construction going on outside <laughs> my yard. <laughs> it's Aldo yeah, constructing his his new his late game career. It's hard at work. <laughs> Back to the workshop. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but yeah, as I was saying, it's just, it's it's tough to know whether Aldo's going to retire when he should, at any point close to where he should, even assuming that he's relatively close to, you know, being 
what he used to be. It's just not something that he's going to consider. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think there are a ton of fun fights for him, even at like the top, top level, if that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone like Font would be interesting for several reasons. I think staying away from Yen and Sanhagen is probably the move. Sterling might be okay, uh, at least from a damage perspective. But the other two, I really don't want. You know, uh, but you know, people are. Can, can, can you imagine how funny it would be if Jose Aldo also decued himself kneeing RJ in the face while he was grounded? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Very possible. I mean, if if Sterling goes for a takedown, his knee just hits the floor. Aldo's just in the middle and kneeing him in the head. That'd be something. Um, yeah, I think there are, there are definitely. I think people are throwing around a cruise fight, which is it's a big step back if you treat Aldo as a real contender. But you also shouldn't be doing that. So why not? Uh, uh, yeah, just a tremendous performance. I don't. It's it's hard to say how great this was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel like we said it. It was really great. Yeah. Um, now we can talk about the stupid main event with the heavyweights and the. Uh, What's there uh, to say? Zero gone past the IQ test. I, I, I don't mean, think he did anything. Is it really dumb. an IQ test? I mean, <laughs> I think it's kind of like the kind of test that you like. Uh, it's kind of like putting a mirror in front of a chimp uh, to see if if it will <laughs> recognize itself. That's an IQ People test. People don't like how negative we're being about this fight, but I think it's warranted. <laughs> yeah, I think the the best take that I heard on this before the fight was from uh, Phil McKenzie and David Castillo. They read a bunch of previews on surprise, Bloody Elbow, surprise. and it's always yeah. I mean, they're they're always very good, but they come at it from like a from a weird place. It's not always the sort of you know exchange by exchange stuff that we do, but from like a general flow perspective, if that makes sense. And I think the the most interesting take I heard from that was that <clears throat> Cyril Ghan is just so insanely fine with a boring fight where he builds on nothing. He's just so comfortable in that environment that there is absolutely no way he'd give Derek Lewis the opportunity to to kill him. It's just you need to be a certain kind of fighter, even maybe a, a certain kind of good fighter for Derek Lewis to have that shot. That's a good, if you're uh, to just... a good heavy hands trope. They say that at like Valentina yeah. and like Holly Holm yeah, and they, people like that they too. They say <laughs> that as a, as a sort of a backhanded compliment. Oh, you're so you're <laughs> yeah. so disciplined. Like, uh. If you're able to sit at range and just do literally nothing, Derek you know, Lewis is not like, going to do a damn thing. As much you. as and that's what Cyril as Gunn much as did. people do say that Cyril Gunn just simply didn't give Derek Lewis anything to work with, he did give him something to work with. It's just that Derek Lewis is extremely bad because whenever Derek Lewis simply walked <laughs> at Cyril Gunn, Cyril Gunn basically just ran himself to the ground. to the fence yeah. for like for free. Derek Lewis wasn't doing anything. He just was walking forward, and Cyril Gunn was conceding ground without countering, without jabbing, without you know, a jab, at least trying to jam his uh, uh, jam his foot into Derek Lewis's baby knees. But he's done none of that. He just walked backwards. And Derek Lewis, because he's Derek Lewis, naturally, he wasn't able to capitalize on neither of those situations like and they happened i think multiple times but yeah it's something that we noted with the volkov fight too is that if you sit up against the fence and just you know let gone being a volume fighter back you up in and of itself gone's gonna follow you and start pecking at you but if you decide to do anything with the ringcraft situation gone's gonna concede to it it just doesn't matter to him and that's generally a pretty poor way to be an elite fighter unless you're like really 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 amazingly good at neutral 
And a lot of fighters aren't. I don't really know if Cyril Gaon is that guy, uh, but I suspect that he probably isn't. Um, a lot of his game, it works, and it works in that sort of, you know, disciplined, quote-unquote, the, the, the backhanded sort of disciplined way, where he pretty much only worked with super long weapons and just kicks guys who don't like to be kicked. And it's fine, but... I'm not really sure someone as good as him at a different skill set would be considered as technical. Yeah, he's like, uh, yeah. he's like, like Whitaker you know, with serial numbers filed off. And uh, for that matter, <laughs> everything good about Whitaker filed off, like his ability to uh, finish fights and uh, all the damaging weapons that he has and uh, his defense at mid-range and in the pocket and all that stuff. Yeah, his comfort in the pocket. But he is very yeah. handsome and charismatic. <laughs> Not as and, much uh, as what I mean, it matters. Uh, who, who like is. everyone talks about how oh he finished Lewis, he dominated Lewis. No, he didn't really finish he Lewis did. in that sense. He he wasn't really building on anything. Like sure, he stumbled upon some leg kicks, but uh, it was Derek Lewis deciding when the fight is finished. Essentially, like he Derek Lewis decided <laughs> when he is finished, and so then he considered the fight. Conceded the fight essentially because he was uh, getting sick of getting jabbed up in the eye, and uh, I guess it hurts a lot. Understandable. And he didn't like it, and he didn't enjoy it, and he decided. Oh, I guess I'm gonna call it quits right now. That's enough of that. Yeah. Yeah. Zero gun <laughs> fights seem incredibly unpleasant for everybody involved. Yeah, especially, um. I guess. I mean, if Zero gun were a teensy bit self-aware, I guess it would be unpleasant for him as well. But I mean. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess it's the sort of performance that you can't really complain about at heavyweight. Where so, oh, I will complain about it. Know, I can complain about it, and I will. I'm complaining about it a lot because I'm a massive hypocrite. But it's the sort of performance that you sort of want in theory at heavyweight, but in practice, it's a lot more frustrating. I mean, than you might I do not. Or you're like, oh, someone's well, When smart. I talk about the, the fact that I want a good heavyweight to come around, I'm not talking about some guy that does the Jackson Wink. Uh, like uh, annoying Jackson Wink <laughs> striking from both stances and just like prancing around. You're talking around. about Shamil Durahimov. Yes, and yeah, that's exactly uh, I'm talking like about someone. Heavyweights, what's stopping you from being Shamil? I, I basically just, I basically <laughs> just want a heavyweight who can defend the takedown and can kickbox normally. Please just fight normal. Yeah. you know. Could be in Ganu. He's, Could he's be in Ganu. Very that's, possibly. That's right. Getting more normal as as the days go. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the thing. Is that Cyril Gan is someone who very. He's, he knows what his win condition is at all times. He's reasonably capable at more than one thing. It's like it's the sort of thing where, like, hey, could a heavyweight just be have normal flaws? And Cyril Gan has normal flaws. The issue is that he has a ton of them, enough of them that you're like, well, maybe this guy is just you know a heavyweight. How, you know uh, how the the heavy hands boys put it? Like most heavyweights are only able to do one thing, and Cyril Gan is able to do two, and that's what makes him different. <laughs> He can do one and a half things. Congratulations, <laughs> we, my friend. This is what but, we're operating here with the heavyweight division. In the heavyweight division, this is like... Yeah. That's the thing, is that the fight in front of him is Francis Ngannou, and I think that's a fight that it, it's probably going to go fairly badly, and that's not even really a knock on Cyril Ghan as much as it is. Francis Ngannou is insanely dangerous and clearly improving in ways that are bad for pretty much I any heavyweight. I think he's going to pressure him to the cage and wrestle him. Yeah, uh, pressure him to the cage. That's well, one. I'm half joking. Uh, I think he might actually do that. There are two possibilities. <laughs> they interviewed uh, Eric Nixick yeah. and said he's fallen in love with wrestling and top gaming people. So that's scary. there are two possibilities. Uh, he can either uh, Rosenstrike gun 
by basically just sprinting at him <laughs> and, uh, and uh, taking his head off because Gun will ra- Gun will run Back to up. the fence mm-hmm. and turn his back on the strike. And like uh, this is the G- like uh, G- the JDS scenario basically, except even worse. And uh, the second possibility is what that said because uh, I mean. I guess, uh, I mean, I can't see how Ngana could have found the sequence where he was wailing on Stipe Miocic in the second fight really fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think there's a good chance that Ngana finds a fairly reliable, like, longer gambit, if that makes sense. I don't think he needs to just Rosen strike him in the first round, but I do think a lot of Ngana wins obviously end in in a round or so. Um, But yeah, Ngana's not really caring about ring craft, Linear retreats, being fairly vulnerable in exchanges and knowing it, uh, relying on his opponents to just concede space at any given time. It's it's rough against Ngannou, who at the very least is clever enough to know what he's good at and clever enough to improve at certain things against specific opponents. Uh, if anything, I actually kind of think the thing he did against Stipe might work, where uh, he threw out this like throwaway straight, and as soon as Stipe started biting on it, he just turned into a shifting left hook. That's the kind of thing, like if your thing is retreating linearly and being big, a big guy doing that to you and being able to kill you with a single punch, that's not fun. It's something that that's going to annoy you, even if it's not something that like it's not Ngannou running forward at you, but it is it's something that could take advantage of you not really being that comfortable under fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean Lewis, he did as well as we expected him to against Lewis. Uh, it's just the fact that that's not particularly impressive. It's just as much down to him being Derek Lewis, <laughs> Cyril Gon being Cyril Gon. There's just it's there's only so much you. Can, it's like Jacare beating Chris Camosi three times. It doesn't matter. It's like fine, you're cool, but. Okay, there's, you, you did, there's a ceiling to how you cool this is. You didn't make the mistake that uh, all the other guys did, which is uh, just basically throwing your fight away. And uh, like, uh, Cyril Gunn at least. And the Volkov. Volkov. <laughs> Fucking Idiot. Volkov. Uh, like, fun fact, <laughs> we were watching this fight live, and um, I went away to take a piss break or something. I don't know, I had to go away from the screen while the fight was happening. And I heard my grandfather from the other room yelled at the top of his lungs, you dumb motherfucker. Like, and he kept, and he kept on swearing for the, like, the fight ended, and he kept on swearing for, like, 30 more minutes about how Volkov is a blight on humanity, and the worst thing to happen to to the planet <laughs> Earth since, I don't know, since uh, since the World War II or something. <laughs> and he's right. And he's completely correct. Uh, Society has progressed past the need for Alexander Volkov. Right, let's uh, let's stop being mean to heavyweights. We're going to draw so much un, undeserved Shit. criticism for for our <laughs> correct you know, assessment of the heavyweights. Yeah, yeah. But, this is going uh, up on Reddit. Luke, Michael this is going up on Reddit, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Reddit, oh, yeah. RMMA, oh, go no. fuck yourselves. Suck my dick. Aww. Eat my ass. I hate you all. Yeah, uh, I, I, oh, no. That's yeah. not very nice. I didn't say that. That was him. I mean, I'm not going to be making <laughs> any more like regular me. appearances. I'm going to like pop in every once in a while to say mean things. That's my shtick. Maybe they'll like that you're mean to them in the last few to be honest. I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. Like, uh, Tengridum. Yeah, Ten- if you're on Reddit, you clearly have a thing about Tengridum never goes up on, like, on Reddit, so they don't know who I am, probably. They only know me from discussion panels. But, like, uh, the, the, you fuckers are being mean to Ed. Like, and this is like, just, this is a declaration of war. Okay. 
But yeah, I mean, uh, the other fights, uh, Vicente Luque versus Michael Chiesa. Did you get a chance to watch this one, Ed? Yeah, I have thoughts. Um, yeah, it so was fun. It started with Chiesa looking bad, um, getting pressured <laughs> along the cage, and Luque was doing a pretty good job cutting him off, like turning his straights into hooks and, you know, lever punching and, and catching him a little bit along the fence. Chiesa landed like one good shot. I walked uh, Luke into a straight and then he hit a really nice reactive double. And I was like, all right, that's a really nice thing for Michael Case to have in his arsenal. Cause um, with tall guys, it's like sometimes level changing like that to hit those doubles can be really uncomfortable. Um, that's why Aljamain Sterling's is so bad, uh, <laughs> but uh, he, he looked pretty good on that. The timing was good. The, the finish was good. So I was like, all right, nice. And then he went to the, uh, you know, Luke went to get up. Uh, Case went to the, uh, you know, the Iowa ride, you know, one, one leg in sitting on, sitting on the leg with one boot in. And uh, he was fishing for the choke from there, which was really weird. And then he like <laughs> fell off the top and went for the triangle and Luke, you know, scrambled and choked him as he tried to reshoot. And it was just weird decision-making from Chiesa. Um, I assume his, his plan was to draw uh, Luke into throwing at him to try to get reactive clincher or double or whatever. But his, uh, his work on the ground was weird. And he, uh, Afterward, he was like, I choked so badly. Like, I was really, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I was so nervous. He said, I've done this every time. <laughs> every every time I'm in a big fight, I, I do this. I'm like, well, perhaps don't. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, it just looked like he made some mistakes. Um, but I yeah, thought um, the overall idea was was fine, even if, you know, his skill set looked to be what it was before. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, a couple things. One, Kiesa has been darsed before by Jorge Masvidal, so... Actually, before the fight, it's his weakness. Uh, I said, "Yeah, it's very possible." I mean, he's been subbed in general a couple times. Yeah. Pettis got him. Kevin Lee uh, got him. Masvidal got him. Kevin Lee got him. Yeah. So it, it's very possible he's a sort of like pre-prime Charles Oliveira or like the Gerald Mearshart type. Like he's super good offensively and defensively. He just doesn't really care because he's so focused on the offense. But yeah, I, I called before the fight that Lucas Dars might make an appearance. If anything, just to like dissuade Kiesa from doing things, like just. You know, assuming that any wrestling situation would just get him in a dominant position, and he set up the takedown pretty ben well. Cohen but for picking Chiesa simply because Chiesa bought his jerky. <laughs> <laughs> but he was the only one. Yeah, actually, yeah, actually, the striking posed an interesting question to me because I'm not really sure because Luke went southpaw early in the fight, and I'm wondering whether we've seen Luke against a competent southpaw before. Because a lot of what Chiesa did was just like, you know, one-twos from the open stance. And a lot of what Luque does is he's the outside leg kick, the counter left hook, and the cross counter. And a lot of that's complicated by the by the, the open stance, right? It turns into inside leg kicks. It's, the cross counter is tougher because the jab is coming from somewhere else and uh, you're slipping a different way. Uh, and if you try to do it with a straight, the distance is different. And the left hook has the, the lead shoulder in the way. So you're really left wondering, well, is Vicente Luque really all that great against top southpaws? And I don't know how many striking exchanges the uh, Edwards fight, I've, I've been a long while since I saw the Edwards fight, but Edwards did southpaw double attack him a ton. I just think I attributed that to Edwards being an elite southpaw and doing that to everybody who's orthodox and not just, you know, Luque maybe not having a skill set super tuned to that. So I don't know. It's something to wonder about even in the striking here, which is not what I expected to happen with Michael Chiesa, honestly. Because, you know, Chiesa is all, like, noodly and kickable and not all that great. But, yeah, I mean, strong performance from Luque, about as much as you could ask. Um, Chiesa did his thing, just not, you know, quite well enough. Uh, I mean, Chiesa essentially dosed himself. <laughs> what more can you say? <laughs> Unfortunate. Very relatable. Unlucky. 
I'm lucky, Michael Chiesa. Uh, it's more relatable as a perhaps, goes on. Perhaps uh, more I, I would recommend some like listening to relaxing music, like some ASMR maybe. I don't know. Sports psychologist. P- play, playing some video games like. Uh, more tattoos. Mm, uh, I don't know uh, how you do that. <laughs> a, a change in 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 your lifestyle perhaps is in order. Something something like. Switch to men. Yeah, yeah. D- <laughs> date a guy. Find a guy. Find a nice guy. Settle with him. Mm-hmm. Someone who wouldn't like nag you twenty four seven. Someone who's asks you. Someone with a good. Dose. Someone who's ass you can kick, <laughs> uh, like just in case, like if if he gets too nippy, you know. That's always a good rule. Yeah. This right, is well, the, well, like, the, the best thing about case, living though. with a guy is that you you can just have fights <laughs> all over the place. What is this podcast? <laughs> yeah, uh, but. What was the f- okay? I don't think we have anything to say about Angela Hill versus Tisha Torres. Torres did her thing. I decided that, that Hill got robbed, so there you go. I mean, that's pretty par for the course. Uh, so the next fight, Casey Kenny versus that's, Song Yadong. It was it annoyed me so much. Enough. The first two rounds annoyed me yeah. so fucking much. Like especially since Ke- like Kenny was doing like a bad TJ Dillashaw impression as one as he does, and the, and, and like Song Yadong yeah. was running around the <laughs> yeah. cage like trying to find overhands, and he was like. It like going like like this basically around the octagon like in a circle, N- neither of them settling on a range or like directionality in the fight. And when Kenny pressed Song Yadong to the cage, or rather Song Yadong actually pressed himself to the cage, he'll like freeze, like pump out a-, a bunch of like feints, and then and that's it. Like why would you pressure him in the first place then, Casey Kenny? Like what's the purpose? Yeah, it's very weird because I've. S- yeah, I've seen Kenny do some decent things with pressure in the past. Both the uh, Alateng Haile and Nathaniel Wood fights were really impressive in that sense. He seems to like understand what to do when he gets a guy to the fence. Here, he was just kind of stupid. <laughs> yes. And I think the cruise fight broke his brain. I mean, either the cruise but... fight broke his brain or he was afraid of like Song Yadong unloading with overhand Salah Woodley. Going on Sean O'Malley's podcast is definitely what broke his oh, brain. Yeah, that's yeah, that's oh, true. Jesus. That's also fair. He got publicly shamed after not thinking Megan Anderson was attractive and now it's over. <laughs> I'm not going to give broken. my opinion. If I give my opinion, I'll be in big trouble. I mean, no, I guess Megan Anderson <laughs> would be more attractive if she were, you know, n- n- like a-, a better fighter. Oh my God, or, this or is like, now the Sean uh, O'Malley podcast. Like, uh, uh, Sh- Sean O'Malley, I mean, what can I say? He, he sucks. Men are trash. He sucks. Into the bin Agreed. he goes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> like, uh, I hope I hope Sean O'Malley fights Josie Aldo just, just, just as, a, as a joke. Ah, <laughs> uh, that might make me sad. I, hope I don't Sean want any of that happening. Legal charges and goes to jail. <laughs> I want Sean O'Malley to fight Pedro Munoz and then legal charges. Pedro Munoz would kill him. But yeah, enough on Sean O'Malley. No one cares about him. Yeah, uh, Casey Kenny, Song Yadong. I mean, uh, it's weird because I've never really had a strong handle on what Song Yadong does uh, here. He was just kind of sniping with counters. And when he started kicking, it looked fine. Casey Kenny just kind of I mean, gave him the range that guess, he wanted to like put combos I guess it's together. encouraging that Song Yadong is still young and he was able to actually zero in on the things he needed to be doing from the start of the fight, which is standing, stand his ground and counter Casey Kenny's entries uh, in neutral space and on the back foot, as opposed to just, you know, running around. Yeah, being smart is not generally a team alpha I mean, alpha yeah, it's impressive thing, for a so, team you know, alpha male, guy is what I'm saying. So I guess there's that. And uh, Casey Kenny like started yeah. trying to wrestle him, and uh, I mean, if anything, you're gonna, if there's anything you're gonna learn a team off a male is to at least how to defend the double, I guess. 
pretty much. Or, or guillotine them for trying. Mm. That's another option. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's enough on that fight. Last fight on this card that yeah, I thought the, the was next really fight fun. Is Bobby Green versus, versus Rafael Fazeev. This is a garbage truck. Like, <laughs> do, like riding across the street. And the, the driver is the drunk. I can't jab. <laughs> I don't think a garbage truck can hit Sean O'Malley because Sean O'Malley's already in the back. But... <laughs> Yeah, Bobby Green versus Raphael Fiziev. It's I see what um, you really interesting fight. It was pretty, awesome. mu- pretty much, yeah. Pre- it was pretty much just exactly what a lot of us expected, I think. I, I don't care. The color late. guy won, uh, and Bobby Green was the color guy in this fight. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was a great fight. It was tremendous. Yeah. Um, Raphael Fiziev, general bad habits i think is oh, a lot yeah. of what we thought about prime aldo but without a lot of the good stuff about prime aldo <laughs> yeah prime exactly aldo, but, but it's terrible <laughs> the things that yeah, it's like prime aldo but it's worse at kicking worse if at aldo punching. was terrible yeah. at the things he yeah. was doing he would be rafael fiziev he'd be a top 10 fighter yes. yeah. <laughs> exactly i mean it's lightweight so i guess once you get to the top 10 you're actually the bad one because everyone unranked is actually the cool guy but <laughs> Yeah, it's. I think there's a lot to be concerned for Rafael for Rafael Fiziev. Uh The cardio issue is one, but also the fact that he doesn't seem to really know that he has cardio issues let's, early in the let's fight. Let's talk about the cardio issues. So we talked about this earlier today. Um, yeah, his cardio is great because he fights at the most ridiculous clip I've seen in a while. Um, it's constant volume, throws everything a hundred thousand percent, uh, does not <laughs> stop long combinations, just whiffing on like monster like arm hooks and just like nonstop. Like he I said he fights like he's on steroids and he probably is, but like no one would not gas fighting the way that he fights. Like he needs to fight differently if he doesn't want to gas. Yeah, it's, it's not a, a cardio thing. Learn to yeah, throw it's a straight issue more punches. than anything else. Oh my God. Throw oh a my jab, God. bro. One jab. Yeah. You can jab once. <laughs> what is that? He, he, I don't think he ever does that. I think his thing is like his probing attack is the kick, but he's also not all that great that, at like finding his distance. way of entering range is to just yeah. whip his head around from side to side uh-huh. and to like fire off like two hundred percent counters at every like dip he does. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of like the it's kind of like the issue we point out with uh, Zabit or with uh, Kylie Phillips a couple weeks ago. I think it was. Where, like, you can tell the way that they fight is just insanely energy intensive. So as good as their cardio is, it's just never going to be enough. Uh, but Bobby Green, I think he did a decent job through, like, the entire fight. It was a broadly competitive fight. Fazeev, even when he was winning, he wasn't, you know, completely crushing Green or anything. And, like, pretty much no one except Dustin Poirier tends to do that to Bobby Green. Uh, so it's not, like, a huge indictment. One thing I really liked from Fazeev was the way that he started using his kicks to sort of herd uh, Green into the into the shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like in the second round, which is his best round, he like started using the head kick and punching off it to uh, you know catch Green in the middle of these big leans or to like limit the lean and blitz him to the fence. So that was some nice stuff. But Bobby Green, I think the way that he fights was always going to be a little bit tricky for Fazeev in ways that we didn't anticipate, mostly in that he's like decently big and he always, always throws light. So the way that Fiziev would always need to like well, go super hard and throw massive. There's also like a <laughs> exactly. height, like the height exact difference. Opposites. Like Bobby Green is uh, long and lanky and knows how to fight long, and uh, like, and Fiziev fights like Fiziev. Like uh, Phil McKenzie said this, and now the, the uh, bonus uh, heavy hands discussion is that like Fiziev fights like a much shorter guy than he actually is, in a strange way. <laughs> He fights like he's 5'5". Five, five. Yeah, I think that's fair. He fights like he needs to cover a ton of distance with his combos, and he might not need to do that much. 
but you know, I mean, you can tell in fights like Moicano that tendency actually helps. But against Bobby Green, who's super durable and he's he's always going to be there. Yeah, they are pretty much exact yeah. opposites, right? You have one guy who he's going to be there for 15 minutes, no matter what you do and no matter what he does. Versus another guy who's probably not going to be there for all 15 minutes, even if you let him They're win like as hard as he wants not to. Not only in their offense, but also in their defense. Like Fiziev's defense is all about basically trying to set up power shots all the time. Constantly, like all the time, throughout the whole fight, whenever <laughs> he tries to like defend the strike, he, he's always looking to retaliate. Meanwhile, Bobby Green is fine to just like fine with rolling with a bunch of shots, uh, letting you miss, like looking like looking untouchable, and then like <laughs> like doing finger guns at you and like laughing at you and, and not retaliating <laughs> and the not coolest to, guy doing ever live. <laughs> It's just. I think for Bobby Green fights only, we should score taunts. It's, it's my very unpopular opinion. If Bobby Green's fighting, it doesn't... The, the hits so, are what so, so unpopular but. that a judge, in fact, came out saying that the fact that... The reason why he scored the third round for Fiziev was that everyone thought that Bobby Green is just too cool for his liking and that he wouldn't let that affect his judging. And that's why he gave uh, the, the trap to Fiziev based on cage control. Yeah, Fiziev got hurt pretty badly at the end of round three, if I remember correctly. Uh, he got like, he he didn't uh, look out on his feet necessarily, he but he was, looked like he was conceding space a bit I mean, more. I think Bobby Green yeah. was well on his way to like finish Fiziev if like the fight like went on for like a minute or so, I don't know. Yeah, Fiziev yeah, would have been it done. It was pretty ugly. But I don't, like, it's tough to say just because fighters tend to pace yeah. themselves pretty precisely. Like, I don't right. think Jose Aldo beats Pedro Munoz over five, even fighting the way that he did with those exact I mean, same three rounds. It, it'd I just guess be he tough. could pace himself so, for five rounds. I don't know. Like, with his... He could. I don't even know what he's if capable Aldo, of anymore. Yeah, never if Aldo could do it. Never again. Yeah. Like, I don't fucking know what Aldo... It's just... Uh, <laughs> like, the, yeah. the man does whatever the fuck he wants. He's got unicorn More blood. importantly... Fiziev is not Aldo, yeah. so I don't think he'd be able like, to do the well, same thing. Well, I never thing. thought he was. So. Like, there's a so weird thing with his with his defense. Like the other guy, like, I think you like shared some stats guy talking about how Fiziev's defense yeah. is bad. It's not bad. Idiot. It's a well above average, like in MMA especially. Yeah. It's just that he tires himself out so much that by the end of the fight, he usually takes a bunch of shots. He lets the other guy come into the fight yeah. because he's like too tired yeah. to do the like the, the slippy stuff that he does. He's forcing so many exchanges. He's gonna get hit. It's it's ex it's exactly what people were saying about Gaethje. Mm -hmm. Even you know when he first got in the UFC, they're like, "Oh, his defense sucks." His defense is very good. He, he just forces a ton of he's exchanges. Constantly so he's constantly in the kitchen. That's, that's literally it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you have yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a problem like with yeah. Like, there's definitely a problem with the approach that we've seen it with Shane Burgos, for instance, another fighter who has like super good eyes on the inside, but he's just constantly where he shouldn't be. Uh, but yeah, I think Fiziev, he has bigger problems to solve than just defensive uh, mechanics. Shane Burgos has Chris uh, Weibin problems where he starts really well, and then he's like, wait, where am I again? And he like, loses focus on what he was building on, and then just falls out of like, the fight, and he's like, oh, wait, no, I'm going to beat up It's kind of wild, just because all of his losses have like the exact same flow. Mm -hmm. Like He drops the first round, he starts looking like he's going to finish in the third round and the second round, and the third round starts and just get instantly nuked. I get, I get post-title Weibin vibes for sure. Like, uh, with... With Fiziev, I, I think it's hard to say whether he's reached his ceiling. Yeah, New York, like, <laughs> like, uh, like, has Fiziev reached his ceiling? What do you think? I think he. I don't think so. 
now. It's lightweight. Yeah. I, th- I think Bobby Green might be one of the trickier guys he faces on his way up to the top five, but mostly because the five through ten is always going to be screwed up. Like if Al, if he, if he came up like a couple years ago, after this he'd fight Ally Quinta and just kill him, and we'd be like, hey, Bobby Green is better he's, than Ally. He's Aquinta. a tooth right now, <laughs> so, isn't he? Yeah, like yeah, and he was That's he was he was Tiger Muay Thai's kickboxing coach. Now he's a hoof, so he's been working on you know not getting grappled, which I think is probably a good thing mm-hmm. to do. Do you think you like because <laughs> it's a bunch of grapplers now? Do you think hoofs <laughs> will be able to like make Fazeev start jabbing, make him jab? Start jabbing and start throwing yeah, I mean, linear kicks for once. Perhaps. Hoof guys do jab. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do do that. But just they, they also like to left hook. So it's like, <laughs> it's probably contributing to the problem. And it's like, are you going to tell this guy who's like a more experienced and credentialed striker than probably everyone you have in the gym besides like Spong um, what to do? And like, did just Spong jab? I haven't watched Spong like, forever. It's interesting how Bobby Green's offense is like also like, the diametric opposite is much more he operates mm-hmm. much more by feel and Fiziev operates like on these like predetermined set co- combinations that he must have drilled Being like, a tornado. thousands of hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think the, the interesting thing with Hooft is that sometimes he has guys who jab like Usman and other times there are guys who like like Michael Johnson who just freak out anytime anyone's anywhere, anywhere near him and he just goes fucking <laughs> wild with combinations like he doesn't even care if he hits anything he just bats at air and bats at the guard until he finds something like if michael johnson is like the mentor that's not going to go well but that's true of any fighter so i don't know i think it's just it's just stuff with a big camp at that point i think Mm -hmm. was there anything else in this card that captured your imagination to talk about i don't believe so like uh men of no, no. <laughs> liar uh well, they're not men, gonna pick out anything alonzo the man who fights like an offensive gay stereotype just uh i watched uh manel cop versus i'm saying his name right now um Oday Oday osborne. Osborne. and yeah. Ode osborne uh Ode osborne I, he didn't necessarily impress me like but he did he did pretty good um <laughs> he 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 was struggling a little bit with, with cop style um and he's like okay i will draw out your counters and then I will hit you. And he was actually doing a pretty good job at it. And then Manal cop like flew through the air and killed him. So it was like, cop looked like himself though. He he was doing his thing as well. And Osborne gave him, gave him a pretty good fight. It It was was very wise of uh, Manal cap to return to bantamweight for his uh, flyweight fight. 129. (laughs) (laughs) But that, that extra poundage gave him the ability to to fly. It's Um, just, it's like Yoel Romero missing weight is the best base for mm-hmm. scary mm-hmm. knockouts. Always. All right. So that UFC event was pretty pretty good. Um, pretty good. A lot, yeah. a lot of stuff happened that was worth talking about. Could be I mean, much worse. makes it worth it. Oh yeah. So there's no UFC card this weekend, and the one next weekend is bad. So maybe that'll be the one <laughs> we have to do all our patron requests because we have a lot of them. Mm. Uh, but now let's talk about. Uh, the inferior promotions, which have some some decent stuff going on. So let's start with Bellator. Actually, no, they're on the same day. Yeah, let's start with Bellator. Um, <laughs> Bellator is headlined by Gehard Musasi versus John Salter, uh, Salter for the middleweight championship. Undisputed. Thoughts? <laughs> uh, Musasi will win. Right. <laughs> Have any of us watched Salter? I don't. Yeah, it was it was a while ago, and it was in. Bellator. Get Ryan in here. Um, he will okay. tell us all about Masasi. Fenio, Fenio would um, tell us a lot about John Salter, though. Oh yeah, that's what yeah. Was, 
I know I know one person who would tell us a lot about every Bellator fighter, but we don't want him on. No, we do not. Um, so that's the main event. Uh, just some, some notables. Uh, the main the main fight that really matters, the third fight from the top, Magomed Magomedov is fighting uh, Rafian Stotts. This was booked for a card uh, a little bit ago, and now it's going to happen. And it's a cool test for Magomedov. He like beat the crap out of CJ Hamilton, who is decent. Like I remember CJ Hamilton fighting Casey Kenny on Contender Series and uh, gave, gave him a go. Um, he was supposed to be the guy and then Kenny beat him. And they're like, I guess Kenny's the guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then Magomedov just beat the crap out of him. And he uh, ragdolled uh, Matthews Matos before that. And obviously he has the fights with Peter Yan and he beat Ole Borisov and he's he's good. Um, Stotts has the one loss to uh, Marab via 15 second spinning back fist. But otherwise he's been perfect. Um, he's competent. He's, a, he's an MMA fighter, like for real. And he can wrestle, and he can do it For all. Really he's a real sport guy, but <laughs> he's a professional MMA fighter, um, as we say now. Um, <laughs> shout out Brad Tavares for starting that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he, he's a he's a Rufus Sport wrestler. So it's like okay, the main things we don't like about Rufus Sport, he has already eliminated half of them by being a wrestler at, at his base. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, but I think that's a cool fight, and um, I, I think Magomedov will probably win because he's also a pretty good striker. Um, and he's probably a better wrestler than Stotts, so... I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pick I mean, him there. Magomed, Magomedov is just one of those, like, R- Russian MMA fighters, so I just... You know, they, 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 they are pretty good in most of the areas of MMA. Mm-hmm. They, they mix the martial he arts. He did the closest thing to what Aldo did to Jan. He did that in the rematch, like, fought like fought like Aldo did, and, you know, was doing a lot of open side <laughs> kicking and stuff like that. Like, he, he he's really good. Um, Andre Koroshkov is fighting. It's really not worth it to care about him anymore as someone who's like good, but he's fighting a Sabah Hamasi who throws hard punches a lot and they're probably gonna yeah. bang, which is, you know, people like that. And, yeah, I remember uh, Hamasi from his UFC run. Yeah. Uh, the Al Hassan fights were stupid. Mm-hmm. One more person to watch on this card is Danny Sabatello. I wrote about him before his Titan FC title fight, which is his sixth fight in his career. Um, Seventh fight in his career. Uh, but yeah, he, he wrestled at Purdue Division One. Um, I don't think he ever had all American status, but he beat a bunch of all Americans. He had a very decorated career. He's a very good mat wrestler. And uh yeah, I mean, he lost the Erwin Rivera fight after you know getting takedowns pretty much every round, but this wasn't quite the grappler that he needed to be for MMA yet, which is surprising because Matt wrestling was supposed to be his strength. Uh and Rivera wore him down with body work and knocked him out to the body in the fourth round, which is pretty cool. Um, but being in a five round fight that early in your pro career against someone experienced from a camp that deals with wrestlers because he's a hoops guy um, is is understandable. It's and then Rivera tough. looked like terrible in the UFC and then he has psychotic break <laughs> and stabbed his sisters. So not a good uh, result there, but he's on a like five fight win streak and he beat Brett Johns in his last fight. And Brett Johns is like pretty decent and was good in the he's UFC. Fine. Yeah. And he uh, he's a grappler. So. That bodes well, and now um, Sabatello is fighting Johnny Campbell, who got a big upset over Henry Corrales in his last fight. But like this guy, most of his career is in CES and like New England, and he's kind of kind of a journeyman a bit. Um, and now he's fighting a big prospect, so uh, maybe he'll do some veteran shit and win, or maybe Sabatello will just continue to build up. But uh, Bellator's bantamweight division is good; they got they, they got some guys. And it's headline. It's headed by Sergio Pettis, who is uh, the goodest of them all. 
Uh, shout outs. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. Shout outs yeah. Bellator for nuking Fenyo's video on Sergio Pettis for no fucking reason yeah, at all. Dickheads. Like, <laughs> like, no one is giving Sorry for any promoting attention. Sorry fighter. No do one, it again. <laughs> like, no one is getting, like, uh, yeah, thanks for, like, uh, bringing some eyes on our very good fighter that we, like, that the UFC fuck, fucked up by letting him go and we, we took him under our wing. Thanks. Now go fuck yourself. We're going to nuke your video and uh, then like copyright claim you and copyright strike your channel. Thanks, Scott Coker. Going to make a video of Rob Font beating the crap out of Sergio mm -hmm. just for this. Fuck you, Bellator. Uh, not, not just for that. Font is cool. Uh, Scott Coker? Other event. More like that, that's... Scunt Coker. <laughs> Like with a C. It works. This podcast is going to a weird place. It works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, is that everything on the Bellator card? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the other one's PFL, right? The playoffs. <laughs> PFL yeah. playoffs, baby. Uh, yeah, um, get ready to cringe. Yeah, Roy McDonald's in them despite despite losing to Glace and Tebow, which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, he, it he seems got robbed, like a right? flaw in the matchmaking. Roy yeah, got he robbed. got robbed, but okay. also it's funny that Glace and Tebow got close enough to rob him if that makes sense i think tebow is like not in the playoffs he's just on the card um yeah he's fighting a millinder right yeah yeah so tebow's gonna beat millinder because millinder seems to lose to anyone who can grapple um yeah ray mcdonald in the main event is fighting ray cooper the third um <laughs> who's the son of uh mma veteran ray cooper, ray cooper the, cooper, second, the second whose dad i don't think was an mma fighter so maybe he was a chain. wrestler um, but was his name Ray Cooper? Ray Cooper the fourth, I hope, is is going to be a fighter as well. Um, yeah, Cooper's was like the golden boy for a while because in his first PFL fight he knocked out Jake Shields, and then uh, he beat another guy in 18 seconds, and they gave him Jake Shields again. And he knocked him out again. So I was like, all right, you're you're, you're a legend. Um, and then he lost to Magomed Magomed Karimov because you know that guy can do everything and is competent at everything and just grappled him. Um, then he choked out his cousin. And he got knocked out by John Howard, which is just terrible. That's a, that's a terrible <laughs> result. And he went to a draw with Sadabusi, which is even worse, honestly. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, but then he knocked out Chris Curtis, who I rate. And he's beat some other guys. And in his last fight, he beat Nikolai Alexakin. So uh, he seems to be in decent form now. I, I don't know what happened there in the middle. Uh, those <laughs> 2019 was a bad year. Um, but he's fighting Roy McDonald. I mean, he just has some basic skills in the feet. Uh, but he's very athletic. He's a wrestler and uh, he punches really hard. So if Roy McDonald is not durable or down to deal with people throwing really hard punches at his face, he, he might get knocked out. It could happen. Yeah, it's kind of at the point where I can't trust Roy McDonald to do anything anymore. Mm -hmm. It's tough to say, but. Although if there is a place you want to go to get used to wrestlers throwing hard punches at your face, uh, Sanford MMA is probably the best one. So <laughs> That's true. Roy's been there for a little bit now. And, you know, Roy's been more focused on being an offensive grappler uh, later in his career now, and that's pr probably the best move. I thought he embraced keeper. Jesus lately, didn't he? Um, yeah, I mean, Sanford MMA is like a, a Christian um, healthcare company, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's very mm -hmm. strange. Uh, but yeah, they, they, that is embracing Jesus, actually, going to Sanford. Yeah. They're the most Christian camp. Yeah, whenever whenever we say that uh, we need more Jesus in our lives, by that we mean everyone should go to Sanford. Go they... train with, with a giant Dutch guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he may not teach you how to walk on water, 
but he will give you a competent kickboxing game. And in MMA, that's, that's that counts as a miracle. It counts as something. That's a blessing. <laughs> Bless Gilbert Burns with the left hook. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Magomed, Magomed Karimov is fighting Sadabusi. I don't think he's gonna have any trouble there. Um, yeah, she is just huge. Yeah, there's some good lightweight matchups like Clay Collard versus how Menfio should be watchable. Um, they both did, did Menfio fight Pettis. Pettis yet? Yeah, I think they both beat Pettis. Yeah, they both beat Anthony <laughs> Pettis. Does, does that even mean anything anymore? I don't think doesn't it seem does. to mean anything anymore. Uh, You're better than uh, Cowboy. There's something. Rajabov is fighting uh, a guy that should have fought Anthony Pettis and probably would have beat him. Um, but the guy got robbed by Schulte, which is tradition in PFL. <laughs> and Rajabov has uh, got a 27 knockout over Ahmed Aliyev in his last fight. And uh, he actually lost a split decision to this guy in do you think, uh, April. Do you think so when, they're going to run it back. Do you think when Sergio Pettis got knocked out by Rob Font, his father came up to him and said, you're the most disappointing thing since my son? He didn't get knocked out. He kind of got wrestled at the end, which is kind of more oh, embarrassing. True. Got knocked out of the winning contention. <laughs> <laughs> saved you. Saved you there. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. Sure. <laughs> Just go up to Sergio after getting jabbed up. You really have the defense of your brother. I can see it in your eyes. This is a very negative podcast. You brought really <laughs> negative a energy good to joke. us. Such a good Steven. joke. I'm, it's I'm just very a, positive about just Rob Font. fucking forgot how Spetters managed to lose to Font. Uh, I mean... Getting it correct. Everyone managed to lose to Font. <laughs> everyone, everyone loses yeah, to Font. Yeah, the only other person on this In many card, different uh, ways. Yeah. Yeah, you're... Peter Yan's going to get DQ'd against Font. Okay. Killing me. Yeah, there you go. You're killing it's me. BFL. Two more people just to say their names. I'm going to say two more names. Okay. Name one Olivier Aubon Mercier. We like him. He's been looking good. He did a lot of cool open stance stuff <laughs> in his last fight. Other name is Magomed Umalatov. I haven't watched him yet, but he's 10 0. He's probably from Dagestan and he got a really quick knockout <laughs> in his last fight. So there you go. He's probably going to do really he's, well. He's, and he's in the, the welterweight he's division. He's built different so. because he's, uh, he's a mountain man from. The, 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 he's a hard step the, man. A hard mountain step. He's a mountain, mountain man. step man. Like, <laughs> like the Who, guys. Who's have, harder, the mountain man or the step man? He, he, he's a he's a. Uh, how, how can you like make a funny mashup of the word step and mountain? Like, you, I don't mm, know if it's mm, possible. Pepman? Not in English. <laughs> uh, Choose another language. It's not gonna work. Yeah, in English, <laughs> it's not gonna yeah, work. That's. That's MMA events. Um, anything news related that we need to talk about in any way, I shape, or form? I don't believe so. Jackeray retired. If anyone's super into him, rest in peace. Something. Crocodile man. Alligator man. What is he? Uh, alligator. Yeah, yeah, he's a gator. I, I think it's alligator. alligator. Yeah, he, yeah, he, oh, oh, oh. See you later, alligator. <laughs> Gators are in fresh water, right? <laughs> yes. He also wrestled. Oh, damn, you, also, you, you got that one. Also wrestled like one. Except if the alligator's arms and legs were replaced with like Tonka truck yeah, wheels. Yeah, he was only good at wrestling once he already had a hold of you. But he was—he didn't have good entries, much like mm. um, like these creatures. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how gators actually hunt. Yeah, but well, it's like they kind of have to waddle towards you. Much they can the run fast in straight lines, but if you zigzag, it, it screws them up. Much, much like Jacare. It's very <laughs> interesting. You just pivot behind but, them. That's the way to be. Would alligator. win a uh, six hundred pound silverback jackery or a grizzly bear. 
Like it's by my. This feels like the Woodley versus Chimp discussion. There's just no way to know. I mean, Woodley loses, obviously. But... <laughs> like the Chimp has the initiative. It's because uh, it's aggressive. That's true. <laughs> you can't concede the Ringcraft with the Chimp. But yeah, I don't know if there's any other news <laughs> Did, here. Didn't no. Sandra actually uh, get called any... racist for that for that Reddit post where he asked who would win Woodley or Chimp? <laughs> I think it was. I think it was a big meme on Reddit for a really long time. I don't even know if Sandro made it up. I think he there was, have, a, think there was there a big thread time. about that, and I don't even know <laughs> yeah. if it was on RMMA. It might have been on another another. Who would win? Yeah, <laughs> oh, very possibly. But yeah, I don't. Is there any other news? Does anyone know? If uh, there is, I don't know it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much just Jackery at this point. A uh, couple fight bookings, nothing super interesting. I mean, uh, Armin Sarukian is booked against Christos Yagos, which is funny. Uh, how long until how Wait, long until Volkanovski versus uh, Ortega? September. September. Oh, a month. Fuck's sake. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what, what's the next UFC? It's like. It's Cannoneer versus Gasol. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> I don't hate that. I, mean, I guess it's a bad. fine fight. Yeah, it's a rest of the card is, is really terrible, except here. for uh, Pantoja versus Pantoja, uh, Roy Val. Yeah, there's like two fights uh, on that like, card. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, like Pantoja and Roval are the opening fight, carrying that fucking card. And, all on their shoulders. You only have to watch the first and last fight of the card. That's pretty convenient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just watch the first fight and yeah. fall asleep and wake right back up. Oh, don't wake up. Yeah. No one's going to judge you. It's really the first fight that matters. Yeah. Technically, you never uh, have to wake up. Okay, well, on that note. <laughs> MMA makes me want to never wake up, except when Jose Aldo is beating Pedro Munoz. Yeah, that's the theme of this one. Aldo mm. Munoz is the only good thing that's happened in the sport committing for to living really for time. at least another few years. I mean, of that fight, earlier so. than that, <laughs> like, what's what was the other good thing that happened in MMA? Conor McGregor breaking his leg, I guess. It's been a good year. Yeah, we've had a lot Font of nice things happen. Yeah, and, uh, Dustin, cool. Me being right R- about lots of stuff. Remember when Dustin Poirier knocked Conor McGregor the fuck out? That was cool. That was nice. And Bernie made him break All his leg. Holloway cater for a lot of people who weren't yeah. me. That's another <laughs> Robert Whittaker clowned on Kelvin Gastelum. Also a good thing that happened. That's true. Uh, so, good bit of positivity to end yeah, the that podcast. There you go. Yeah. Uh, those, are, those things... Chad Mendes doing bare knuckle boxing. <laughs> oh, no. You had to ruin uh, it. And people... What's funny is that people are like, oh, no, he's a wrestler. What's he going to do in bare knuckle boxing? It's like... Gonna punch people hard in the face. <laughs> like the problem is that he's not a it's fighter. Like anymore. Everyone like forgot that Chad Mendes was one of the best strikers at 145. And the Tumman, he lost to all the elite strikers at 145. Oh, 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 yeah. Sorry, he's oh, a wrestler with oh, an oh. overhand. So therefore, he's not later. a good striker because yeah. he lost those fights. Yeah, Chad Mendes sucks. Okay. More like Bad Mendes. That's how you do one of those mm-hmm. jokes. Damn. Chad Mendes counted down. Yeah, that's gonna be the end of this one. Uh three, two, one.